Hi, this is Dan Sullivan. Very pleased again to have Shannon Waller on this episode of Inside Strategic Coach. And today on this episode, Shannon, we're going to talk about something very important, and that is why do entrepreneurs need other entrepreneurs? This to me is a really interesting topic because a lot of people, and certainly before I knew too many, to me being an entrepreneur meant being by yourself. It meant being on your own. But I'm sure that there's some consequence. I know that there's some consequences to that. So, Dan, I'm going to just throw it back to you. Why do they need other entrepreneurs? Aren't they just like lone rangers doing their own thing? I think, first of all, there's a quality, and I think it has a lot to do with how entrepreneurs see themselves, but there's a, what I would say, a confidence level on the one hand and a courage level on the other that allows them to go off on their own from two standpoints. One is that they're going to rely strictly on their own abilities for their financial security, which is a very minority position in modern life. And number two is that they're not going to expect any opportunity to be given to them until they first create value. So it's the opposite of an entitlement attitude. They're not expecting anyone to give them opportunity. They are going to create their own opportunity. And along with that is going to come their own income that they generate. They self-generate their own income. So right off the bat, we know this because I've studied this for more than 40 years. We know that this is less than 5% of the working population in any country around the world. There's The numbers never get any bigger than 5% for the entrepreneurial class. And I think part of the reason is that's a sufficient number of entrepreneurs to create a lot of new things in society to keep everyone else busy. So uh, <laughs> it's just that, that I don't think that too many more entrepreneurs may be needed to actually keep things going. But there's a real upside to it. You have a lot of freedom if you can pull it off. And there's disproportionate rewards as far as income and wealth that comes along with it. But the downside of it is that you can feel very isolated and consequently very lonely on your own because people who have not made these decisions, what I call the two entrepreneurial decisions, one is that you'll be totally responsible for your own income and you will be totally responsible for generating your own opportunities. The people who haven't made that, it's very, very hard to talk to them. And I've gone to class reunions in high school, class reunions in college, and I've got my own family and friends and people that I've known throughout life who never were entrepreneurs. They were always in an employment situation. It's almost like you're lacking a language to talk with these people. I think that if you are perpetually feeling lonely, you're using massive amounts of your energy every day just to sustain yourself. You're not even making progress with that energy. You're just holding on. And we call it rugged individualism in the Strategic Coach Program. Rugged individualism, entrepreneurs who are rugged individuals have very low-paying jobs. You know, the income would be in the maybe $20,000, $30,000, $40,000. These are not entrepreneurs that grow at all who are cut off. And what's needed is that they have to increasingly 
be in a very positive, very stimulating, very creative network that's composed of other entrepreneurs. And to the degree that they can be part of a network of like-minded individuals who have gone through the same process of departing, being one of the less than 5% in population, then they have the ability to vastly multiply their learning and vastly reduce the amount of energy that it takes to motivate themselves because they're motivated by membership in this group. That sounds so much better (laughs) than the alternative of just being alone and isolated and not making very Mm -hmm. much money, which given the risks that entrepreneurs take, you definitely want to experience the payoff because it's not an Mm -hmm. easy decision to make. So Dan, you talk a little bit about learning amongst other entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure for some people who aren't as familiar as we are with the quality of entrepreneurs we have, sometimes I've been a little surprised by just how open people are Mm -hmm. about both their successes and their failures. So when like-minded people do get together, what do they talk about? And what do they get out of those conversations? The thing that's really, really interesting is if you had to say which do they talk more about, success or failure, they actually talk more about failure than they do success. And the reason is that failure means something very, very different for entrepreneurs than it is for people who are in employment situations. In employment situations, failure is a risk to your employment, it's a risk to your career, it's a risk to your promotions your status within the organizations as a risk if you have failure. Entrepreneurism, failure is just the opposite. Failure is how you learn. Failure is how you have breakthroughs. Failure is how you get rid of things that don't work anymore, take on new capabilities, new knowledge, new skill. So any entrepreneur who has failures wants to talk to one other entrepreneur, five other entrepreneurs, 20 other entrepreneurs who've also had failure to see how they looked at it, to see how they worked with it, to see how they took the failure and used it as a catalyst for learning how not to do it again. (laughs) And also that out of failure comes entirely new thoughts of alternative ways of approaching the way they're organizing their companies, but also alternative ways of approaching the marketplace. What I always notice is that the higher the quality of the entrepreneurs, the less bragging there is about their successes and far, far more in-depth discussions about their failures. You know what? Lewis Schiff, in his book, Business Brilliant, talks about he and his partner have studied ultra-high net worth individuals, and that's exactly what they say. There's an entire chapter on failure, Mm -hmm. and what they do is they share what they learned, what didn't work, what they did differently next time, and they look for people who are willing to share their Mm -hmm. failures because that's where the learning is. So yes, I've read about this and and also experienced it with our clients too. I don't want to shortchange success here. Mm -hmm. They want to talk about success, but they kind of want to see the blueprint of where the person started, how they thought it through, how they organized their resources around it. Anything new, a new way of approaching organization, a new way of approaching marketing, People are keenly interested, but they don't want to hear it as a brag. They want to hear it as a 
a tutorial. They want to see it as a tutorial. They say, this is what I've learned from this. This is how you have to approach this. This is the first thing you have to do. This is the second thing you have to do. Fourth thing you have to do. And if I was going to do it over again, I would leave out this and I would do this. And they can get a complete overview of somebody else's success in 15 or 20 minutes, which is going to save them months. Maybe it saves them years. So the other thing I would like to say, it's not so much failure and success, it's lessons and shortcuts, Mm. that entrepreneurs need other entrepreneurs for lessons, time-saving lessons, and shortcuts to faster results with less time and less effort. And the more powerful the group is, and this is how it happens, one very successful and ambitious entrepreneur meets another successful and ambitious, talented entrepreneur, and all of a sudden something magical happens, and then they attract in other people who are just like them, and then you get this very powerful network. You can't rub two mediocre things together and produce something extraordinary. <laughs> you know, you, you know, <laughs> you need to rub quality together to get even more quality. And I think entrepreneurs are on the lookout for, they're at a certain level, and I think the correct attitude is they look at someone else and they see areas in the other person where the other person is further ahead. And it's reciprocal. Both of them see something in the other that's worth learning from. Well, and that makes so much sense because we all have common experiences in terms of clientele and teams and finances and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And we each bring our own unique set of capabilities to that, but other people bring their own Mm -hmm. unique set. So comparing Mm -hmm. experiences means you get a perspective, right? It means that you get a different approach, like, oh, I could have handled it that way, or I could have responded this way, or like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to do that next time. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, mm-hmm. they need to know mm-hmm. that this is actually what works, that I can help someone else shortcut their results, which mm-hmm. is really powerful. Lessons and shortcuts, I love that way of distilling it down. Now, it strikes me that there's a certain type of mindset that's required to want to engage with other entrepreneurs. And that is that, put it this way, you can't be the rugged individual committed to only doing it by yourself and conserving your few ideas Mm -hmm. because someone else might steal them. There's a different mindset that's required for people Mm -hmm. to rub shoulders and actually produce something useful. So Mm -hmm. what would you say that mindset is? First of all, you yourself have to have a future that's bigger than your past. And not all entrepreneurs do. I know very successful entrepreneurs who are, let's say, 50 years old, and they're considered at the top of their game, but their success is behind them. Their striving is behind them. Their ambition has all been used up. And from an outside standpoint, it looks like, oh, this is someone to really learn from. But when you get together with them, you find out that there's no more gas in the tank for a level higher than they're at. And that person is actually not useful at all and actually can be very, very counterproductive to actually meet with them because you're going to get the wrong lessons from that person So the first thing that I check out is wherever this person is, and I use the term, do they have a future that's 10 times bigger than what they've already achieved up until now? So if you take their entire career up until now, when they look ahead, can they see achieving in the future a 10 times bigger and better result than the best that they've already done? And I think that's a pretty easy thing to sort out because you can get say, so what's the next big thing for you? 
And the person says, you know, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy where I am. Wrong answer. <laughs> Second thing is, you know, I'm thinking now about slowing down, winding it down now because I got all sorts of personal and private things that I want to do out in the world, and I've got enough money and everything else. Wrong answer. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for someone who's going to be a real teaching entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I mean, he may be a nice person and you want to do personal and private things with him. But as far as learning and personally, I'm only looking for entrepreneurs who have the bigger future. I've got Joe Polish, you know, and Joe has massive ambition. I've got Stephen and Michelle, Stephen Palter and Michelle Lang. They have massive ambition. Peter Diamandis has his ambition goes beyond the earth, you know, (laughs) and all the other wonderful people that we have in Strategic Coach, my game changers. We just spent the weekend with JJ Virgin and she's got global plans. So I really cultivate these as my inspirational learning network. I get very, very motivated when I'm around them. I've really got a stay on top of things and keep growing for me to be interesting to people like this. So this is why, you know, in my 70s, I can think about being at a much higher level of performance and result when I'm in my 90s. And the reason is because I don't want to leave the club. (laughs) I don't want to be thrown out of the club. I like that. I don't want the club to leave me behind. Right. Yeah. So there's a pressure to keep upping your game so they'll let you stay in the game. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and be a worthy contributor to that. Now, let's talk about competition mm-hmm. because I think that's one thing that people think about and, well, won't I be in competition with that person? But you talk about different types of competition. There's a positive type of competition and a negative type. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that in terms of when people get together. What a lot of people think of is competition is actually a form of cooperation for everybody involved to jump to a higher level of performance. And in order to do that, somebody has to be further ahead than everybody else with something. Mm -hmm. But what I've discovered, because we're all unique individuals, and in Strategic Coach, everybody zeroes in on their unique ability, everybody in a network of really top-notch entrepreneurs with futures bigger than their past is going to be in a leadership position for everybody else in the group, but everybody else in the group is also going to be a leader in something. So you feel the pressure that someone's ahead of you with this, and it puts you into a student role. There is a competition, and the competition is this, that you don't want to be left behind in this area. You want to stay up to what the other person, and there's a pressure, and they're not stopping. They're continuing to grow, so you're always going to have this pressure. And some people would say, well, that's really competition. And I said, yes, it is, but I have my own particular universe in which I'm developing my skills. They all have their own universes. We're not in a single organization competing to see who gets the corner office. We're all kings of our own empires here, kings or queens. But we're cooperating with each other to raise everybody's performance to the highest level. And it reminds me of the best definition of capitalism that I've come across. And it's by a wonderful Nobel Prize winning economist from Austria by the name of Friedrich Hayek, F.A. Hayek. 
And he said, you know, the tragedy of capitalism is that it was named by its enemies who hated capitalism. And they made it be about capital. And he says, capitalism isn't actually about capitalism. That's not the central point. Capitalism is a never-ending system of increased cooperation among strangers. So, first of all, everybody who you're thinking about having a network around you of inspirational and motivating entrepreneurs, well, right now, before you started the network, they're all strangers. You've got to go out and find out a whole bunch of strangers, and then you've got to expand your cooperation with them. And part of that cooperation is that it's going to expose where you need to improve. It's going to expose new ways of thinking that are better than your ways of thinking. And from that standpoint, there's a bit of competition about this, that in some respect, everybody in the network is going to be superior to everybody else in the network, but they are also going to be in a learning and not superior position with everyone else in the network. And Shannon, what I think this does is that it really drives the finest way to live your life on the planet, and that is that you're always learning. Your past can never possibly be bigger than what lies ahead, and I think it has enormous meaning to it, and I think that it produces the best and finest kind of value for everybody else on the planet when you have a network of this type of entrepreneurs. Well, and hearing you say it that way, it, to me, it looks like multiplier growth almost isn't possible without that network because you're not going to be challenged. You're going to be isolated with your own thoughts. One of the closing points I want to make is that your definition of competition is so different than I would consider the negative one, which is I win, you lose. And in your version, it's everyone's winning. Each person's getting stronger in some other area where they weren't before. Yes, I think that's it. The definition you had may have been true 100 years ago, but in a world where we have this overwhelming amount of communication capability that allows us to connect in multiple different ways with a vast number of other people, I think it's meaningless what you're talking about. And people who are that way in today's world are miserable, unhappy people. And I think they live lives that at the end they can't possibly see as a success. So my way of doing it completely bypasses the miserable people. <laughs> I second that. Well, Dan, thank you. I love our conversation about loneliness. I love the fact that interacting and rubbing shoulders with other ambitious, like-minded people really is a shortcut to learning. And it's all about the lessons that we're sharing, both from failures and from successes. Mm -hmm. And the mindset is one of positive cooperation and positive competition. Mm -hmm. You just don't want other people to get too much further ahead. So that pulls you further ahead, too. Mm -hmm. So this is a great conversation. Thank you, Dan. I love the whole topic of entrepreneurial communities and how much better we can get together. Thank you, Shannon.